Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. This week, we welcome Colleen Andrews, who works as a licensed professional counselor. Welcome everyone to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing a healthcare professional each episode, asking questions that you want the answers to and answering questions you didn't know you had. I'm Joanna, a board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I am a white, straight, cisgendered female and my pronouns are she, hers, And if I just start wearing sweaters, fall will come faster. So if I do that with you, will it come doubly faster? Yes. Because I'm ready. That's how it happens. And I'm Sarah, an LPC from Pennsylvania, transplant from South Jersey. I'm a straight cis white woman and my pronouns are she, her, and I filled up my first compost bucket today congratulations thank you it took a week i wanted it to take longer because i don't have a lot of buckets (laughs) i have one more bucket i only have one bucket so i feel you on the bucket i i told my neighbor that she could participate in it with me and she said that's a really small bucket i was like (laughs) then provide more buckets (laughs) what do you do with the bucket after you're done I'm just going to store it in like a little area in our patio and turn it every couple days. I hope we get a million emails from all of our listeners saying, don't turn it that much or turn it more because there's a lot of controversy on how often to turn compost. Also, if I just keep saying we have a lot of listeners, much like your sweaters and the fall, we will have more listeners. Here it comes. I made a making rain. Yeah, I like it. It was very relaxing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you. I did not sleep well last night because I went into my basement at 1.15 a.m. this morning uh, because I was awoken by a tornado warning that oh. I now take very seriously. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do you do you want to talk about why you take that seriously now? Um, well, there's been a couple touchdowns of tornadoes in the area recently and mm-hmm. also global warming and also... Uh, <laughs> Turns out tornadoes are one of my triggers. So, uh, cause as a young child, I was like, give me all the tornado shows. And I just like scared myself silly with tornadoes. So, uh-huh. um, I did like witness, not really witness, but I was like sitting, I was like sitting in the door at my parents' house when I was a kid. And there was one, I don't even know if it touched down, but something, it like ripped these huge, huge trees. I don't even know how tall, like very, very tall trees yeah. and just like, threw them to the ground and I like heard Ooh. that that sound which was terrifying um yeah, you so. don't hear sounds of like big objects like that often no you know what I mean like when you hear a car accident or when you hear a tree being pulled out you don't hear stuff like that yeah you hear footsteps and Oof. uh or like the wind behind your house and maybe it's urgent and maybe it's a tornado so you don't like sleep um yeah. So, yeah, I definitely take them very, especially it was a tornado warning, which meant like it's coming, it's 
either it has touched down or the radar because it was a night um, yeah. makes it look. And I think there was a touchdown in the suburb somewhere. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, yeah. I did not get a warning. Thankfully, I'm sorry oh, no. to deal with that. No, I mean, I, it was fine here. I, I don't know. I live far away now, relatively. But yeah, the lightning was intense. It was. Um, it was like summer heat lightning. Like there wasn't. Yeah. There wasn't really rain here. It just kept happening. It did rain, and then, yeah, we sat That's in the like, basement for like ten minutes. Oh God, that makes sense. But that, those like summer lightning storms, those are like sit on your front porch if you have one uh, weather yeah. and just kind of watch it. Until you get too scared and you go inside. Yeah, definitely don't sit on your roof because I was like, oh, yeah. let me watch this. Wait, okay, never mind. Nope. <laughs> too close. Um, also, probably like, tell us when you're. Yeah. yeah, that's so scary. Yeah, tornadoes yeah. are very scary. Yeah, yeah, and take them seriously. Also, <laughs> take them seriously, especially if you live in a place where they don't happen a lot, and maybe you don't take them seriously. Remember when we watched Twister at the music therapy conference? <laughs> <laughs> Why did we watch it? Just I don't. I think on. it was just on, and <laughs> remember, he was like really embarrassed to say that his wife. Oh, she's a therapist. Oh, <laughs> annoying. Bill Paxton, how could you? How could that- you? For a lot of reasons, I think that's him, right? Yeah, I'm pretty Bill sure. Paxton. I I sometimes mistake the names of actors with their um, you know, like characters they've played. So I was really worried that's like his name in Titanic, because like that's. Honestly, like his part of Titanic oh, yeah. is real to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I remember the therapist from that movie. It was a very uh, mean representation of like a working yeah, woman. She she's was like, like, I don't care about anything. Oh, now tornadoes are going to teach me to be well, and like, a better yeah. wife. That my husband's now leaving me f- leaving me for another woman, right? I. She also like was taking calls from clients during her vacation. Yeah. And there was like, one line where she was like in a car, like during, a, during a tornado. And she was like, I remember the line of he doesn't, she doesn't just love you for your penis. <laughs> like this obsession with like penis envy and Dr. Ruth. And ugh, yeah. Uh, yeah. How dare she, how dare she have education? Terrible. And she's anyway. on like a sat phone or something. <laughs> big time, big time. She's on she's on a nineties, she's on a Zach Morris phone. Oh. Did you ever she's go to the, the the Twister ride in uh Universal Studios? No, I don't think so. Uh yeah, it's it's weird. It's a lot of fun. You just like stand in a row, I think, and like things come down. It's like a show. And like you feel some wind, I guess, and then heat because they're like, Who is that water. there for? fans of twist who like but who <laughs> even like young parents were still a weird know. age to see that movie <laughs> or like or like children like me who are like i'm living my fears <laughs> you know? i saw this at the music therapy conference <laughs> uh, that's right. good well i'm glad you're safe cinema <laughs> yeah thank you me too um <laughs> Anyway, how dirty are your floors? Is there a twister oh, I mean, going through? I mean, if I'm being honest with you, the vacuum does need to come out. But as far as our podcast goes, my floors are clean. Mm. My physical floors are actually very clean because I was cleaning them today. Uh, but our po- my podcast floors are not clean. Uh, oh, I do have to mention that the Louis Thoreau documentary that I mentioned last time, the name of that is uh, Mothers on the Edge. Mother's on the Edge. Thank you for yes. 
I looked at my notes from last week and I was like, well, who the, why did I write this? <laughs> and when have I heard him called Louie? <laughs> oh, that's funny. And uh, I had to look it up immediately if you were done or else I would have been like, oh. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. The other thing is that we totally missed our like 10 episode congratulations to us last <gasps> time because this is episode number 11. Oh my gosh. Well, in yeah. what's the word? Retrograde. Congrats. Congrats. Congrats Joanna. to us. Or we can just say like happy episodes. like 11 C's or something like that. You know? <gasps> yeah, that's good. We can just do 11s instead of 10s. Like break We're going to count all. by 11s all the way. Yeah. That's fine. <gasps> I like that. Counting by 11s. So mm-hmm. episode 22, we will see you there. Oh, yeah. With that intensity of mine that you're going to match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> Me too, because I was Everything's fine. in my basement. Okay. <laughs> All uh, right. We, ju- we also just got an exercise bike down there, and I was mm-hmm. a little bit tempted to be like, this is a good time. To <laughs> it probably would have been pretty re- regulating, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good tip skill. Uh-oh, what's that? We're going to talk about DBT soon. Uh, <laughs> so t- stay tuned after the break uh, for our history lesson. <laughs> And now it's time for our history lesson. The history lesson is compiled facts in the form of a narrative describing history, good and bad, in order to give context for the field our interviewee works in. Our sources for today include, for the first time ever coming in first, wikipedia.org. Woo, woo, woo. We also have information from the website, therehabadvisor.com, as well as the old favorite, dbt training.co.uk. Trigger warning, there is some mention of self-harm, suicide attempts, and death, while they are only methods of uh, prospective incidences, no specific incidences, feel free to skip ahead if the mention can be triggering for you. And we will see you again in about 12 to 15 minutes. Our definitions for today, the first one is Partial Hospitalization Program, or PHP. It is a type of program used to treat mental illness and substance abuse. During treatment, the patient continues to reside at home, but commutes to a treatment center up to seven days a week. Partial hospitalization focuses on the overall treatment of the individual and is intended to avert or reduce inpatient hospitalization. And from what I recall, you can also get bussed and like have transportation mm-hmm. provided for you for these things, right? It's awesome. Yep. All right. Next one is intensive outpatient program or IOP. It is a kind of treatment service and support program used primarily to treat mental illness. The typical IOP offers group therapy and generally facilitates 6 to 30 hours a week of programming for addiction treatment. IOP allows the individual to be able to participate in their daily affairs such as work and then participate in treatment at the appropriate facility in the morning or at the end of the day. The difference is primarily, which I'm sure our guests could add on to this, is that it requires less time commitment than a PHP. Our final definition is dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT. an evidence-based psychotherapy that began with efforts to treat borderline personality disorder. 
DBT can also be used in treating mood disorders, suicidal ideation, and for change in behavioral patterns such as self-harm and substance use. All right, moving on to history and the need for PHPs and IOPs. Okay, partial hospitalization is designed for short-term treatment. The goal is to help you improve enough to be transferred to a lower level of care like outpatient or intensive outpatient treatment, and the exact length of stay depends on the patient's personal progress. Patients could spend several months or a few weeks in the program. Partial hospitalization slash day treatment focuses on the individual's overall treatment rather than just safety. In other words, PHP is not used to treat individuals who are acutely suicidal. So this is for folks that are just in need of like the treatment themselves, not, not going to weekly therapy, but something a little more intensive, well, way more intensive. All right, Canadian psychiatrist and professor, Dr. Albert E. Moll, or Moll, M-O-L-L, was a partial hospitalization slash day treatment pioneer. He realized that there were individuals who would not be able to put their families and jobs on hold while undergoing treatment and recovery. He also realized that a person's financial means played a significant role in the PHP process and paying for rehab programs. I, what a pioneer for folks that either don't have insurance or can't afford inpatient mm -hmm. stays. This is like must have been such a big thing for working class and low income folks. Also, fun fact, and it is actually a fun fact this time. There's another doctor, Albert Moll, and he was a German psychiatrist who uh, was both a friend and foe of Freud as he was a uh, the sexuality psychiatrist. Mm. Yes, yes. I could not find a date of birth for our Dr. Albert E. Moll, unfortunately. Interesting. Partial hospitalization programs in the United States can be provided in either a hospital setting or by a freestanding community mental health center, CMHC. Treatment during a typical day may include group therapy, psychoeducational groups, skill building, individual therapy, and psychopharmacological and psychopharmacological assessments and check-ins. What a word. Oh, I almost got it the first time. Well, I'm sure you edited it, so I did get it the first time. <laughs> um, programs are available for the treatment of alcoholism and substance abuse problems, Alzheimer's disease, treating, excuse me, eating disorders, depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders, schizophrenia, and other mental illnesses. Programs geared specifically toward geriatric patients, adult patients, adolescents, or young children also exist. Programs for adolescents and children usually include an academic program to either take the place of or to work with a child's local school, which is amazing. I loved working alongside uh, the teachers that were working at the one inpatient hospital and partial program that I it was attached to. So such a cool job that they do. Currently, many providers are moving the partial hospitalization model of day treatment toward more acute short-term services. Hospitals and community mental health organizations are using PHPs to handle acutely ill persons who are able to better understand their illness, become adjusted to medication regimes, develop important coping skills, and set recovery goals that enable them to function effectively as recovered in individuals in society. The typical IOP program encourages active participation in 12-step programs as well. It is believed that this form of treatment can be more effective than individual therapy for chemical and excuse me it is believed that this form of treatment can be more effective than individual therapy for chemical dependency which is interesting i hadn't heard of that before and i'm curious about that iop is also treated by some hmos as a transitional treatment for patients just released from treatment in a psychiatric ward 
And IOPs can have a lot of different like specialties or tracks in the same mm -hmm. way that PHPs can. Yeah. All right. I'm putting my hands together, but it's not really making a sound, but we're getting ready to talk about DBT, which is a favorite therapy of mine. So I'm sure I will add a lot of, uh, a lot of extra info because I get really excited about DBT. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, um, Marsha Linehan, who was the developer of dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, she was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where there are probably tornadoes, on May 5th, 1943, being the third of six children. She was diagnosed with schizophrenia at the Institute of Living in Hartford, Connecticut. Whoa, Connecticut. Um, where she was an inpatient. Yeah, I don't know if I was like excited about that or not. Um, <laughs> Linehan was subjected to... A uh, ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy, seclusion, as well as Thorazine, which is an antipsychotic medication, and Librium, which is a benzodiazepine, as a treatment. She has said that she feels that she actually had borderline personality disorder. In a 2001 interview with the New York Times, Linehan says that she, quote, does not remember taking any medication after leaving the Institute of Living when she was 18 years old. Linehan did... Linehan developed dialectical behavioral therapy with elements of acceptance and mindfulness as a result of her own mental illness. In 1967, while she prayed in a small Catholic chapel in Chicago, she said, quote, one night I was kneeling there looking up at the cross and the whole place became gold. And suddenly I felt something coming towards me. It was this shimmering experience. And I just ran back to my room and said, I love myself. It was the first time I remember talking to myself in the first person. I felt transformed. She graduated cum laude from Loyola University in Chicago in 1968 with a BS in psychology. She earned a Master of Arts in 1970 and a PhD in 1971 in social and experimental personality psychology. During her time at Loyola University, Linehan served as lecturer for the psychology program. After leaving Loyola, Linehan started a postdoctoral internship at the Suicide Prevention and Crisis Service in Buffalo, New York, between 1971 and 1972. During this time, she served as an adjunct assistant professor at the University of Buffalo, the State University of New York. From Buffalo, Linehan completed a postdoctoral fellowship in behavior modification at Stony Brook University. She then returned to her alma mater, Loyola, in 1973 and served as an adjunct professor at the university until 1975. During the same time, Linehan also served as an assistant professor in psychology at the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Another place oh, I've also lived, yeah, uh, from 1973 to 1977. In 1977, she took a position at the University of Washington as an adjunct assistant professor in the Psychiatry and Behavior Science Sciences Department. Linehan is now a professor of psychology and a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at the University of Washington and director of the Behavioral Research and Therapy Clinics. In the late 1970s, she attempted to apply standard cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, to the problems of adult women with histories of chronic suicide attempts, suicidal ideation, urges to self-harm, and self-mutilation. As she was trained as a behaviorist, she was interested in treating thoughts and subtle behavior. However, after discussing outcomes with peers, she concluded that she was treating women who met the criteria 
for Borderline Personality Disorder, or BPD. Joanna, before I move on, feel free to jump in at any time as we get into the meat of this stuff, which is pretty interesting. I learned a lot. Okay. In the late 70s, CBT had gained prominence as an effective psychotherapy for a range of serious problems. Linehan was interested in investigating whether or not it would prove helpful for individuals whose suicidality was in response to extremely painful problems. As she and her research team applied standard CBT, they encountered numerous problems with its use. Three were particularly troublesome. Number one, clients receiving CBT found the unrelenting focus on change inherent to CBT invalidating. The results in a, it, this resulted in a high dropout rate. I've definitely encountered this in session. Folks get so frustrated with their with the negative self-talk and feel a little beat down, like pardon the verbiage, that they are having a hard time getting it right and it actually brings about more negative self-talk. Number two, clients unintentionally positively reinforce their therapists for ineffective treatment while punishing their therapists for effective therapy. For example, therapists would, quote, back off, pushing for change, of behavior when the client's response was one of anger, emotional withdrawal, shame, or threat to self-harm. Similarly, clients would reward the therapist with interpersonal warmth or engagement if the therapist allowed them to change the topic of the session from one they didn't want to discuss to one they did want to discuss. That one hits me really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number three, the sheer volume and severity of problems represented by clients represented by clients made it impossible to use the standard standard CBT formula. In response to these key problems with standard CBT, Linehan and her research team made significant modifications, adding in new types of strategies and reformulating the structure of the treatment. Acceptance-based interventions, frequently referred to as validation strategies, were added, communicating to the clients that they were both acceptable as they were and that their behaviors including those that were self-harming, made real sense. Further, therapists learned to point out when clients' thoughts, feelings, and behaviors were, quote, perfectly normal, helping them discover that they had sound judgment and that they were capable of learning how and when to trust themselves. I love that so much. The new emphasis on acceptance did not occur within the emphasis, excuse me, the new emphasis on acceptance did not occur without the emphasis on change. Clients must also change if they want to build a life worth living. With this, the change and acceptance factors enhance one another. And that's kind of the whole, um, like backbone of dialectics is the two, two opposites can be true at the same time. I can love myself and want to change. It doesn't mean that I don't love myself. Yeah, I, I even like learning just exactly, I, I mean, I had heard of like dialectics and like, uh, like socialism and things like that, but just how it was incorporated is really beautiful. And honestly, before I doing this research, I thought I was under the assumption that DBT was like pretty manualized and you just kind of went through sheets and like forms and things like that, but it was absolutely not the case. And I'm Mm -hmm. very happy to be corrected. Um, In the course of weaving in acceptance and change, Linehan noticed that a third set of strategies, dialectics came into play. Dialectical strategies gave the therapist a means to balance acceptance and change in each session and serve to prevent both therapist and client from becoming stuck in the rigid thoughts, feelings, and behaviors that can occur when emotions run high, as they often do in the treatment of clients diagnosed with BPD. So this counters the tendency found in treatment with clients diagnosed with BPD, 
with BPD to become mired in arguments, polarizing positions, and extreme positions. I even see these arguments coming up with um, clients who have anxiety or depression, like that anxiety and depression kind of becomes an argument um, why not to practice a skill or, you know, or pushing you into an extreme position of like a should or this is all bad or this is all good. Uh, so thus, these three sets of strategies and the theories on which they are based on um, are the three foundations of DBT. Very significant changes were also made to the structure and treatment in order to solve the problems encountered in the application of standard CBT. Briefly, Linehan hypothesizes that any comprehensive psychotherapy must meet five critical functions. The therapy must A, enhance and maintain the client's motivation to change, B, enhance the client's capabilities, C, ensure the client's new capabilities are generalized to all relative environments, and D, enhance the therapist's motivations to treat clients while also enhancing the therapist's capabilities, and E, structure the environment so that treatment can take place. It is typically the individual therapist who maintains the client's motivation for treatment since the individual therapist is the most present individual for the client. Skills are acquired, strengthened, and generalized through the combination of skills group, phone coaching, which is when clients are instructed to call therapists for coaching prior to engaging in self-harm, video coaching, and homework assignments. And if you know me, if I'm your therapist, you know I love giving homework. All the time. The therapist's capabilities are enhanced and burnout prevented through weekly consultation team meetings. Uh, I've also just found that DBT is generally supportive of therapists. Um, It's just like a great platform that does help, you know, prevent or decrease burnout. Yeah, yeah. The consultation team helps the therapist stay balanced in their approach to the client while supporting the therapist in applying effective interventions. In DBT, a therapist is not considered to be meeting the requirements of treatment unless he or she meets weekly in a DBT consultation team. Finally, the environment can be structured in a variety of different ways, uh, say by the client and therapist meeting with family members to ensure that the client is not being reinforced for maladaptive behaviors or punished for effective behaviors at home. I'll also say that um, the skills groups are usually led by two therapists. There's a, you know, there's a, um, a co-leader who can help if there, if there are any, you know, overwhelming emotions that somebody has during a group and have to leave. It's almost like in-person coaching. DBT also organizes treatment into stages and targets with a few exceptions that adhere strictly to the order in which problems are addressed. The organization of the treatment into stages and targets prevents DBT being a treatment that week after week addresses the crisis of the moment. I, it's, you're exactly right in saying that it's something that is it's like beneficial to the therapist. It's very clearly something that was made for and by therapists Absolutely. and for clients that were definitely in need. And the fact that she experienced like the intensity of those emotions herself. I mean, that, that's that's something that is you need to have experienced it to really understand what the person is living through every day. It's very incredibly painful. And I know that even now, uh, those who have the diagnosis of BPD, whether it's, you know, true or whether it's a a correct diagnosis or not, there's an extreme Mm -hmm. stigma, even among professionals with- uh, Especially. 
especially yes. among I mean, I went through a training during my internship and like it was amazing the bias that professionals who were, you know, like have been working there for longer than I've been alive had and yeah. Yeah, like I, our interview that we had a couple of days ago where uh, with Cherie, where she was talking about in medical social work, how so many clients were or patients were referred to by their illness as a group of people. And I every time I like my stomach turns every time I hear similar names that are given to folks with BPD is an incredibly painful illness for somebody to have to live and work with and deal with every single day. Mm -hmm. And if you are a clinician working with uh, with that population, it's it's very important to continue to check yourself and any countertransference that you have because it's uh, the symptoms of BPD lead to extreme countertransference as well. Mm. Yeah. Good tip. Good yeah. tip. All right. Well, stay tuned. After the break, we're going to talk DBT and so much more with our guest, Colleen. Heck yeah. Yay. Welcome back, everybody. Today we have Colleen Andrews with us for our interview. She is a licensed licensed professional counselor uh, who grew up in New Jersey and attended Fordham University for undergrad, double majoring in psychology and sociology, followed by grad school at Ryder for clinical mental health counseling. She was fortunate enough to get a job with Princeton House Behavioral Health where she did her internships in grad school and worked there for several years while completing supervision for full licensure. She did adolescent DBT PHP uh, slash IOP programs and on occasion worked in the women's program. She absolutely loves working with teenagers and higher levels of care. DBT is her favorite treatment modality and she dreams of being Marsha Linehan someday. After completing her full license and going through a bad personal breakup, she decided to move to Philadelphia, where she took a job at Belmont Behavioral in their child adolescent PHP, where I had the privilege to work with her. Outside mm -hmm. of career information, she considers herself to be a very basic human. She likes spending time with family and friends, binge-watching true crime shows, petting any dog whose owner will allow it. She likes to cook, being outdoors, and during the pandemic, committed to the life of a plant mom. Welcome, Colleen. Hello. Hi. I thought you were going to, like, edit what I sent you a little bit, too. <laughs> like, oh, great. That is me. It's like my dating profiles in a more professional layout. <laughs> well, as a fellow plant mom, judgment-free zone, I think, I think that was very humanizing, very personalizing. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Colleen and I would run a morning check-in every morning together, like side by side. It was such a fun time. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Mornings I'm are rough. For teenagers. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and grown-ups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, Colleen, tell us a little bit about your work. Um, so now I work, I work at Belmont. Um, our kids range from about five to 18. We haven't had as many of the little ones since the pandemic, um, just because they require a lot more hands-on work in some ways. So trying to like minimize direct contact. Um, we're not taking the really young ones right now, um, but previously were. 
I have kind of worked all throughout. I was mostly working with the five to 12 year olds and recently have transitioned back to the teens, which I'm really excited Mm -hmm. about. Um, But yeah, every day is different. (laughs) It's just kind of a wild roller coaster. What kind of programming do you do with the, the kids in the PHP? Um, so the younger ones, it was a lot more, groups were more like activity-based, kind of like trying to keep them engaged and, um, you know, kind of like helping like gear, like social interactions and kind of seeing those things in the moment and then supporting with like shifting some of the ineffective behaviors. Um, the teens, again, are kind of like newer for me in the sense that I haven't worked with them in the last like almost two years. Um, but it's been nice to kind of get back into doing more like skills-based stuff with them. Um, you know, definitely still challenging when you're building like new structure in a program, but, um, hopefully we'll be very fruitful down the road. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, how did the pandemic affect your job day to day? Um, well, as you know, we yeah. got, um, Colleen and I went through the pandemic together, so yes, mm-hmm. we survived it. Um, but we were working in person for about a month after lockdown started. Mm-hmm. Um, we had several staff members who all tested positive, so they opted to kind of shut us down at that point um, with the intention of it just being kind of like a two week reset, everyone like go home. Um, And then it extended into probably about like six weeks, seven weeks, maybe. Um, But outside of that, we've been in person for the majority of the pandemic. Um, Just, you know, adjusting to mask wearing and definitely feel like a broken record with the kids at this point. Like, put it back on, put it back on. Um, I think the most difficult part about it is just how much communication happens through, Mm. you know, facial expression and having that blocked off. I think it's difficult to read them and it's also hard for them to read us. And yeah, it takes a lot more rapport building in a way. Yeah. It was hard with the kids. Like I would, I would go like stand in a corner and be like, look, this is what my face looks like. Cause they have no, (laughs) they also have no idea what you look like, um, which is really hard. The most like common comment that you get when you do like move it down, like take a sip of coffee or whatever is always, I didn't think you looked like that. <laughs> it's like, what does that mean though? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. But they, yeah, they all tend to gravitate towards that one. I'm like, all right, compliment, insult, not quite sure when this is landing on the spectrum, but. They can be pretty biting at times. Yes. Yeah. But outside of that, it really hasn't, it doesn't change like the treatment. It just kind of Mm -hmm. changes the census and like other things like that. Yeah. That's funny that you're both saying that about the masks. I remember during internship, I was at the, at a children's hospital and before, like with some folks that were on like contact precautions, I'd like just peek my head in and give like a little give a little like make a little face to the kids who then would not see my face at all would just see my eyes so it's the same it's the same like kind of like establishing that connection because we biologically we like seek that we like want to know how someone's whole face looks (laughs) or our eyes just fill it in 
Um, but yeah, that's, that's such an important part of connection. Ah, all right, Colleen, how is your personality represented in the therapy that you do? So this one, actually, I think I've weirdly been talking about with my coworkers, even since like shifting back into the bigs. Um, the bigs but... is what we call the, the teens. <laughs> Oh, thank Sorry. you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, like before it was, it was like teens were the bigs and we had middles, which were like, you know, 12 to 14, then littles, which were the, like the littler kids. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, like Joanna knows it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I am definitely like very sarcastic, um, kind of like irreverence and just like dry humor are some of my favorite strategies, even just with like connecting. And that doesn't land so well with some of the smaller um, humans that just like right over their head. Um, but I think that's like a really fun way to get to connect with like teenagers, especially. And so that's been nice and like getting back into like working with teenagers is being able to really like have some of those fun more like sarcastic witty banters and um yeah it's a lot of fun <laughs> what is difficult about being a therapist and what is a thing that you love about being a therapist um I would say the most difficult part is I, I actually I had an amazing supervisor um when I was at Princeton House Heather Lynch she was phenomenal and one of the things that she would like always kind of like help me with is like what she would call like like bringing patients clients home with you at night and like you're sitting down for dinner and they're like at your table or like you're laying down for bed and they're like laying in the bed with you kind of metaphor um but I think one of the hardest parts is definitely like when you do have some of those like either really difficult clients or clients that just for whatever reason you feel really connected to mm -hmm. um and they're struggling in some way, like not kind of taking that home and like sitting there and ruminating about it all night and worrying. Um, that's definitely something that has taken me time to kind of like learn how to maneuver around. Um, but the best part is, I guess, like the opposite of that, like when you do have someone who was really in a tough spot and you've gotten to like watch and like support their growth and kind of when you get to those parts of the labor where you're seeing, you know, more the fruits and the, the joy that's coming. That's, you know, can't really beat that, I guess. Absolutely. And it's hard to notice that in PHP too, because it is like shorter amount of time. The PHP that I worked in and that Colleen currently works in for the kids, they're only there for one to two weeks. So it is a really mm -hmm. short amount of time. Sometimes you see kids over multiple, you know, multiple, uh, stays and that's do, that is where you can see that growth and that change yeah for sure we actually have um uh, a crew right now that have kind of been in and out over the last like two years and so you know part of you like walks into the room and you're like oh no you're back like what happened um but on the other hand it can be really nice because you do get to see like that change take place um Yeah, Colleen, when you were when you were talking about those like taking folks home with you, I was just remembering the first like I mean, obviously that's still challenging now, but the first like one or two years of giving therapy and I would just feel like like wrecked with anxiety. Like I hope I like 
you know, gave the best care I could. I hope that at the end of the day, I like did everything I could because you feel very responsible. Um, and I don't know if that's something that we're always set up to to carry that weight. Um, and of course, it helps when you have a good supervisor, but it's it can be pretty shocking, like encountering folks who are really, really struggling for the first time and and you are still like learning how to how to hold that space for them and also like hold a separate space for yourself. That's a that's a slowly acquired skill I'm learning. <laughs> Definitely. Boundaries. Boundaries yep. are so important. <laughs> yeah, that is not my middle name, but I'd love it to be someday. <laughs> All right, Colleen, why are you a therapist? What drew you into this field? Um, I had an amazing high school counselor. Um, she was just phenomenal and was such an important role in my life. And I think she definitely kind of like spotted. I, I went to a huge high school, so I graduated with like almost 900 kids. Um, but I think that she kind of like flagged me as being someone who was like very quiet very reserved but like still had like a lot going on like in my head and then and so she pulled me in actually to do group which at the time I didn't realize but um was being run by someone who was going for their PhD Dr. Copeland and she was doing her whole dissertation on this um so it was kind of like a study also um but it was just like such a great experience and I loved group so much. I looked forward to it every week. Um, and that just kind of like pushed me into like, I want to do that. I want to like get to like hold that space for other people. And um, here we are. What a That's cool amazing. thing to be a part yeah. of. That's amazing. <laughs> it's like really, yeah, it's like really random and weird, but it's incredible. What do you, most people like say to you when you tell them that you're a therapist and what do you wish they say they would say to you? Okay. This one was like so hard. <laughs> I like, looked at this question and was like, um, I feel like there's like kind of like a couple standard reactions almost. It's usually like the joke, like, you know, oh, I could use one of those. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, or there's just kind of like the complete shutdown of like, I'm not engaging with this like at all. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would get like somewhere in between there. Where like maybe there's just like, you know, a question, not, not too much, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that second part stumped me. Like how would I want someone to respond? Yeah. I had a new reaction when I went on my trip. I, I one night, one day we stayed on a in a bed and breakfast and it was on our way back. So we were tired, you know, like I've got like no bullshit left. I can't take anything more. And we were like sitting down to breakfast because like that's what you do at a B and B and like talk to people. And you know, they're like, Oh, what do you do? And I said I was a therapist and a woman was like, What is that? <laughs> I was like, Really? No. <laughs> wow what is that um and uh and then she also <laughs> asked me do you think she misheard you i have no idea i don't even remember what i said to that question <laughs> i have 
no clue. Uh, and then she said she had an anxious friend and asked me what she should do. Mm. And so I said, you should ask your friend what she would like you to do when she's feeling anxious. And that clearly oh. wasn't the answer to the question that she wanted. So I gave her the tip skill that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, here's a DBT skill then. Just take it. And tip skill, a DBT loves its acronym. So this, the tip skill is a distress tolerance skill. So when you are, your emotions are overwhelming, like a panic attack, um, it's four different strategies for what you can do. T stands for temperature, which is like changing the temperature of your body very rapidly with ice or cold water. I is intense exercise. So getting on that bicycle at 1 a.m. because mm -hmm. you're panicked about a tornado. Uh, the one P stands for paired muscle relaxation, which is like, like a progressive muscle relaxation. And the other P is paced breathing, which is counting breaths. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you. <laughs> it's Clearly nonsense. I say that a lot. <laughs> it's nonsense that that individual had no idea what you were talking about. It's literally made fun of in every movie before 2005. It's, it's impossible that she had no idea what you're talking about, but that's really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but also ask your friend what she would like you to do. No, she doesn't want to empower her friend. Very clearly. Maybe her friend's a therapist. <sighs> All right. How, yeah, right? Okay. How has your identity helped or hindered your practice? And we're talking like racial, ethnic, sexuality, gender, or anything else that could tie in spirituality. Such like a loaded question. I know. Big really time. Is, yeah. And we are on the edge of our seat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the middle of my seat. I mean, I think that, you know, especially in the last year, just with everything that's gone on, with Black Lives Matter and, um, you know, I work in Belmont, which is a, a facility that serves a primarily, you know, African-American community who are low SES. And I come from a very different background than that. And, you know, kind of like learning to like take a step back and like just learn more about that and like what it means to you know, be a very privileged white provider in a room of children and be facilitating these conversations. And, um, you know, it's definitely been a huge learning curve in a lot of ways, um, but also very like humbling and like a really like amazing thing to get to like be a part of in a sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely even way different than like Princeton House and like kind of the community we served in North Brunswick and um so it's been it's been like a lot to process in a way I think yeah. that's the best best answer you can yeah, have for that. Absolutely. yeah yeah I mean I can remember having groups during the uprisings during the election and just you know providing space for all of those kids to express themselves um even when like Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, passed away, just everybody, like that was a huge reaction from the teens that I was working with at the time, but it is, it is humbling and it is, it is a privilege to be able to hold that space. Left turn. Uh, how do you approach self-care? <laughs> I don't know why it's a left turn. It could be a right turn too. Like over a bridge. Yeah. Who knows? Could just be continuing on. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> Could be a U-turn. 
could be there's like a rotary <laughs> or like a traffic circle wait like a phone no it's it's another northern thing oh Rotaries. like a roundabout yep yeah mm. circles circle new jersey circle yep yes. yep, yep, yep live for a good circle yeah. oh yeah i love for driving through a circle and calling it a circle because that's what it's called <laughs> it is a circle yeah i call it a traffic circle Ugh. also a rotary i don't know you're getting too hit. Like a circle <laughs> you're 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 saying phone like <laughs> wait just realized why it was called rotary phone what's the next question <laughs> Uh, well, no, the question is, how do you... Oh, I didn't even say it yet. Uh, <laughs> no, you did. Oh, I you did, did say it. Yeah. How do you improve self-care is the question. Uh, um, again, I feel like it kind of ties back into just, like, basicness. Um, but <laughs> exercise, I, you know, was out running earlier before I got on this. Um Lots of, you know, true crime, Netflix binges, fun podcasts. Um, Absolutely. I think also, like, connecting with people that I've, like, formed friendships with, whether I have a lot of friends who are teachers. um, So just kind of, like, understand, like, working with children and that dynamic um, or friends who are therapists and just kind of having those outlets on, like, tough days. um, but then also like like painting my nails, like fun colors. <laughs> nice. I love I love when people incorporate and rem- like reminding us that pampering is also very important because yes, you can do all these things to like take care of yourself physically, but like adding in beauty and like aesthetics, it can also be like very rejuvenating. I really agree. Yeah like drawing smiley faces on one hand yes. and sad faces on the other hand when I paint my nails just is like such a great moment <laughs> that is awesome I love that all right oh maybe this is maybe we just heard this answer but mm-hmm. what is a guilty pleasure of yours I know I like those I was like oh how am I gonna like differentiate this? <laughs> <laughs> like, so we differentiate by like, like something you're embarrassed by yeah Something you're totally comfortable sharing on this podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> among among <laughs> friends and strangers. <laughs> um, see, I don't know if I'm like, because like also like, yeah, the ice cream is like for sure an answer. Yeah. Um, Probably going to eat ice cream after we're done with this. So. Oh, I'm so excited to eat ice cream Same. after this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, probably that or just like those nights where like I like, totally just like dissociate into like a new Netflix show and like that's it for like um yeah like a gross amount of time um I see like I feel like I just like sound so boring but like that's that's it yeah (laughs) I was gonna ask you for some reason I'm pretty sure you've seen this but because I don't think we talked about it but did you watch Love is Blind I watched the first season I have not started the second second season's okay I've been in a bit of like a Real Housewives hole as of lately. So which ones? <laughs> Beverly Hills. <laughs> that is such a dark timeline, though. I. It's, Where are I know, you? What it's season? my favorite, though. They're so. Good. I mean, New York is what I started on, so like they're they're my favorite. But 
this like all happened because I was like watching one of the new ones and there's all the Erica Jane drama happening <gasps> and then it like made me want to go back and like watch her first like entry episode and then it just like spiraled from there um, um all of his so... like stuff from his uh office was like on auction the other day and we were like yes. looking at things yeah um yes so if if you haven't heard the Erica Jane controversy is that she spends a lot of money she has an older husband who was the lawyer in the um I can't even remember what movie he's like Julie just Roberts. like the huge like class action lawsuit mm-hmm. right like yes the a movie with Julia Roberts about a class action lawsuit um he's like a really well-respected lawyer but he has been like stealing money from clients mm-hmm. uh, and just like keeping it um and so recently that came out and it's been a big deal Um, lord yeah colleen's looking it up i'm like trying to find it (laughs) um aaron brockovich aaron brockovich aaron brockovich is is the movie and um and yeah you could you could like the other i think it was like over the weekend you could bid on things and i think my husband did i don't know if he won anything that's amazing yeah no i saw that i saw like it was like um the bitches like instagram account or whatever was like posting like auctioning on it and i was like what is this yeah it was some weird stuff because it was just like an office you know just like random office stuff it has like truman show vibes to me yeah yeah, I don't know if he got it. There was, like, this picture of him of, uh, I can't remember his name. It had, like, neon lights on it, and he bid, he bid oh, on that. Um, I think I you saw see that one. one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, Beverly Hills is great. Um, got some really amazing moments, like Amsterdam. I'm not sure if you've seen that yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, I've seen them. I'm just, East? like, rewatching. It's horrible. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, it's I just, like you know life of like therapist social worker is very fulfilling in a lot of other ways um but financially is just not one of them so (laughs) beverly hills lifestyle is just like so extreme to me i'm like i'm gonna watch this show and (sighs) live vicariously yeah that woman who's like i have like twenty five hundred thousand dollar sunglasses sunglasses there was a an English woman on that mm-hmm. before, right? I, uh, Lisa old, Vanderpump. Yep. An old LBK. coworker of me and Cody's got married on that show with her and Andy Cohen. I uh, got married on. Watch what happens. I don't know. It like I don't know. When can yeah. you when can you just go on and get married like on E? Probably it's probably Watch What Happens. Yeah, it was. I was like, what an interesting, what an interesting group of people. And to clarify, I mean things seem basic or like like i don't know they seem like normal because they're very they're normal and they're enjoyable and they're palatable and we all like them i love it that's that's great also a guilty pleasure of mine that i thought of when y'all were talking was when colleen was talking about dissociating into tv shows was i start talking in the accent of whatever show i'm watching so after dairy girls i every time cody did something i was like get out of here boyo <laughs> so also Dairy Girls was amazing. Thank you. 
Thank you, it Joanna. So good. Has yet to watch it, and I've seen it like several times. Thank you so oh much God. for liking Dairy Girls. It's the <laughs> best, Joanna. Joanna, we going to, okay. Listen, it. we were. I was going to watch it with my in-laws, my sister-in-law, mm-hmm. like over vacation, but we just didn't get to it because, like, mm-hmm. we were watching I Love Money. So, <laughs> well, it's also like you need to watch it with subtitles because it's essentially like a foreign show. <laughs> it's a yeah. foreign film. You need. You don't know what they're saying. <laughs> Um, yeah anyway reality tv is amazing (laughs) awesome um what are your three favorite dbt skills Ooh, good turnaround okay (laughs) so i can tell you my favorite therapy phrases but i don't know about least. yeah um hands down favorite therapy phrase is life is full of choices um that's a good one. Say it all the time. Just live for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I guess nicely then ties into favorite skills. Um, definitely radical acceptance. Mm-hmm. It's just so necessary. Um, and that's where that whole concept stems from of like you always have an option to act. And even in times where like we feel helpless, um, there are always different choices that we can make in any given moment. We don't have to love all of the options, but there's usually an alternative. Um, tip is also just like such a classic. I love teaching it also and explaining like the biology behind mm-hmm. why those skills work um, in terms of like our nervous systems and you know how it actually can really promote helpful crisis management. Um, And I think, too, it can be a fun way to kind of, like, grab people's attention. You know, it's kind of not a platonic, like, listen to soothing music, like, which, again, are, like, great valid skills. But when you can really break it down and say to someone, this is going to affect your body in this way, that's actually going to cause a physical response. I think there can be a lot of power behind that. Um, And I'm really torn on my last one. I'm torn between thinking mistakes and biosocial theory. They're just Mm. like both amazing. Can you explain thinking mistakes and biosocial theory? I'm so happy to. (laughs) 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 This one I'll like full like nerd out. Um, Yeah, DBT is amazing. Yeah, it's just so practical. Um, So thinking mistakes essentially are ways that we all think and engage in different thought processes at times that are really unhelpful essentially and can keep us stuck in just like mindsets that don't promote any positive change um so I think one of the for me most helpful things about thinking mistakes is just having a name to label the thought with so to be able to catch myself even and be like, okay, you're like emotionally reasoning right now. Can we take a step back and like, look at what's happening here? Um, you know, you are fortune telling, you are black or white thinking. And to be able to put that name on it is a big game changer, I think. Um, and just increases that mindfulness of like what thoughts are occurring right now and how can I reshape them, revisit them, turn them into a dialectic Um which can like still validate whatever's happening, but also like help push me into a more helpful like behavior track. And then biosocial theory um, is basically the theory that DBT is founded in, which says that there are two components. There is a biological component, which is 
they essentially hypothesize that the limbic system in some people is more reactive. So that's your like fight, flight, freeze response. So when I do like family programming, I always explain it like being in a haunted house and that scary person pops out and you have the one friend who is punching them in the face. You have the other friend who is gone. They've already run off. You cannot find them. And then you have the friend who's just like frozen in place. And you don't actually make any of those choices for yourself in that moment. It just kind of happens. Um, and that's your limbic system responding. So for some of us, that system is just overstimulated. And it very much kind of ties into like that emotional dysregulation of just kind of going from zero to 100 really quick. Um, and then the social piece is the chronic invalidating environment. So you over time have kind of had this experience of being taught to mistrust your emotions. And in doing that over time, it becomes very confusing. Um, our emotions exist for a reason. They give us a ton of information about the world around us. And so when we don't trust that, it becomes chaotic. Um, so biosocial theory essentially says that people who suffer from BPD have this biological component and then this social experience that kind of collides and creates this intense emotional dysregulation. And I think I'm done now. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Joanna, you're going to have to NSFW again. But that was fucking beautiful. It was a very uh, I think impressive. If, I think if we say fuck a lot, like, fuck, <laughs> so like, fuck, fuck, say, fuck, 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 yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. But I'll just cut that out. Like, anyway. meet the parents. No, I, I mean, oh, obviously, that was like super impressive. And you and Colleen, you have like, well, both of you like worked so hard and learning so much about this very impressive therapeutic approach, but you, you're completely right about the importance of clients just knowing they have control over their body, especially if their body has not felt like something that they like can steer, uh, you know, like they don't, they're not able to sit at the helm. So that's like giving them that education and empowering them, letting them know that's an option. Like so valuable. I mean, it's such cool. a big, like, non-judgment piece part of DBT. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you're having this. And that's like, it goes back into radical accept. Like, everything folds into itself, which is so great about DBT. Like, you were talking, I was like, and that's radical. That's why radical acceptance is important because it's like validating your feelings instead of saying, I shouldn't be having anxiety right now. Yeah. It's, it's like validating me, like, I'm feeling anxious right now there isn't a threat here. So like, where is this anxiety come? Like, so then like being able to step back instead of just saying like, there's nothing happening. Mm -mm. Um, and I've just had sessions where we're just like talking about radical acceptance. And then we go like further and further down. I was like, there that's being willful. Like we have to, it's like, it's, ah. That's another yeah. really good one. I know it's too hard to pick favorite skills. They're all I great. Know. I was going to say your favorite one, but then I was like, I got to make it three. So <laughs> I never would have survived just picking one. Uh, and willfulness is just like not accepting reality. It's like kind of like throwing tantrums, like, like being, you know, like, but no, again, I want like that toy just like so practical like when you have that label like when my alarm goes off in the morning and I'm like Ugh, to be able yeah. to be like you're being willful just get up like, opposite to emotion this like if you keep trying to wear the same shoes that hurt you every time you wear them they're not good shoes don't wear them mm -hmm. anymore like they just keep hurting you you're not like accepting that reality that those shoes are good 
And there's a million other shoes in the world to pick I know, from. There's so it's many very shoes. layered. <laughs> it's, that feels know, much more like, complicated. <laughs> there's so much of it. Like it's, it. and you think like, oh yeah, I accept reality. But then when you really like pull apart layers, there's so many places where you push back against it and not, and then invalidate yourself. Like now I have feet that are hurting because like mm-hmm. I like, you know. Yeah. And this is a pain that I should withstand. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, this is something I am deserving because these shoes look good or because these shoes are accepted. Damn. I also think like the use of metaphors in DBT makes it so unique. um, And it's such like a cool way to really like get people to buy in and like engage with them when you can kind of visualize it in a different way. Sometimes it makes the problem kind of like, or your approach to it look or feel different. Um, so like the shoe thing, like using those. Yeah. Yeah. I also use like, if your leg is broken and you pretend it's not your pain. So the other thing is that using the skills is we can't prevent pain from happening in our lives, but we can prevent suffering. So using the skills is like to decrease our suffering. So if you pretend like, nope, my leg's not broken, your suffering is going to go way up because you're not going to get help for that leg. You're just going to try to walk around and it's going to be super painful. Mm-hmm. What if you like have to accept that, hey, my leg is broken without judgment of saying like, I was stupid for breaking my leg or like all of these things. It's yeah, I, I love using metaphors. I love DBT. I could talk about it for three hours or more. Same. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, in that vein... <laughs> What is your favorite therapy outfit, Colleen? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I pretty much wear, I don't want to say like I wear the same thing to work every day, but um, black skinny jeans because that is my age bracket, not giving up the skinny jeans. Um, And I am addicted to the loft. So I just love a good loft blouse. Um, I think the saddest part about summer for me is because it is a unit that we do therapeutic holds with, um, at Mm. times open toed shoes are a no go. So I don't get to wear any of my flip flops, which like just is really sad sometimes, but Mm. Joanna and I are big Tom's fans. So Tom's are a great alternative in the summer. Nice. Love those toms. I had a pair of toms disintegrate on my trip. Oh, I believe it. I was just wearing them so much. I was like, why is there so much hay in this car? <laughs> and it was because my toms were disintegrating. <laughs> because Good I wore Lord. them every single day for a month. So like, mm-hmm. yeah. And I had worn them for a year before then. So like, <laughs> they were ready. Um, yeah. yeah, big, big toms fan. Also big loft fan. Love it live love loft yep (laughs) that is my motto (laughs) um are there any questions you would like to ask us and this is something I added to the list but probably after you saw it so uh (laughs) sorry (laughs) great I was like you're throwing me another (laughs) curveball can I ask which might be like very vague but are you enjoying this podcasting like what's the best part of it Big time. Yes. Trying to be more convincing. Sorry. No, I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> no, your nodding was very convincing, but oh, I need okay. everyone to know that you're on board. Yes. Um, Thank you. I really enjoy talking to different people and like getting excited about therapy and just like mm-hmm. also 
like all of the people we've interviewed so far have been so different in their personalities because like therapists aren't the same. Yep. <laughs> and so just like realizing that everybody has their own therapeutic approach and like there isn't a mold for a therapist. Yeah. I like that I'm meeting all Joanna's friends and she's meeting all my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, being able to like talk being able to speak like kind of radically about what we do is just it's very exciting being able to humanize and demystify the process is very empowering and I think it's helped us both deal with some some anxieties and even insecurities that we've held on to for a while just you know growing up as women and being women in this world and then being women in the field of psychology it's been very it's been very nice to kind of take charge of something like this and I think we're both benefiting from it a lot. And having a microphone stand in my office make me look really badass. Like, hell, yeah. yeah. And I get like, to use headphones that my husband kept in a drunk drawer for <laughs> two years. So I'm recycling, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Good question. Yeah, very good question. I have a follow up. Yes. How much time do you like research ahead of time? Like, yeah. Are you um, delving through like tons of like journals and articles or I, I know Wikipedia was the first yeah, Oh yeah, source, w- w- Wikipedia is like a frequent flyer. So Joanna does all the editing. She does spends hours doing that. So I'll I do, do the back end. I'll, I do all the research. And yeah, it takes I'm getting it down to where it's like two and a half hours per like research. And I'm getting used to like finding articles that I know are just nonsense and I'm not gonna find anything good in them. It's also tough because not everything has a long history. Um, So I just try to like find obscure facts and keep it fun. But I have learned a whole hell of a lot. We both have. Yeah. (laughs) And I've also learned that a lot of people writing these articles are very jaded and (laughs) are very, very uh, angered about the field that they are coming from. So that's also an interesting perspective. I try to read the history lesson before so I don't get any names wrong. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we encounter a lot of a lot of European names. Or laugh at them for two minutes. Laugh at them, yes. We had a name the other day that was uh, quite funny for me. It was a uh, man shart. Amazing. And I like couldn't get. I couldn't say it. Couldn't say. It. I could say. And then no. we both we both like couldn't stop laughing. Yeah. And then it, I don't know. God, it went on for like three minutes. Mm-hmm. I cut out a minute, which is really so, long. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, when really I get great. a giggling, you can't stop me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Colleen, what is a resource that you feel everyone should know about? Could be book, website, could be someone told us the other day to use Grammarly. Could be anything. So uh, this is one that I actually reached out to um, two of my friends who I used to run the DBT program with at Princeton House. Um, I just kind of wanted to bounce it off them. And I really loved this one suggestion. And it's not so much like a resource, like a website or a book, um, but more the idea of like creating a crisis kit and in doing it in this time of like technology and what that looks like. Um, So a crisis kit is something that um, is a skill that essentially gets reviewed in DBT. And it's basically building a first aid kit, but for mental health. Um, so, you know, you're like in the kitchen, you're cooking, you slice your finger, there's that moment of panic, 
And that's why first aid kits exist because it's all in one spot. You don't have to think about it. You just go there and whatever supplies you might need are available. So kind of in creating a crisis kit, we suggest like sensory objects, fidgets, grounding tools, pictures of your loved ones, things like that, and kind of keep them in a space. But building into like phones and technology now, um, this idea of creating like a crisis folder on your smartphone that you can put in like different apps, um, you know, music playlists, things that are pre-curated, um, creating different like social media, like you can, you know, have your normal social media, but create a different account that is just tagged and following healing accounts and therapy accounts and things that are gonna be encouraging. So it really is all set to go and you're not filtering through those other things um, looking for it and having that in just like its own private folder on your phone. And I thought that was a really cool idea. Um, yeah. Oh, what yeah. a good answer. Good. Awesome. Blowing it out of the park. Great. I want to also add, um, you can get like face masks that you can put in the freezer. Those are super helpful Ooh. for a tip skill because you can just put on your face and it's there. And they also look kind of silly. So it helps to like, uh, like distract you from the moment of like, oh, I look very creepy right now and those are probably good for like the, the the being held too like the pressure sensor that can be pretty grounding for folks too is yes. there do either of you recommend a website for the crisis kits or is it kind of just like go off of you know go off of what is best for you hmm. I I actually wrote a an intervention that might be in a book or something about like a music therapy way to create a like mm. self-soothing kit but I don't know where that is so um I don't know. Colleen, do you have a website? No, not a specific website. And I think more like curating it like to the individual. Yeah, um, yeah. So I know I have like various folders on my phone, whether it's like my travel folder, my like food app folder, but kind of creating a folder and then putting in it like a free meditation app. Or if you're in a position where you want to commit and buy a meditation app that, you know, you're paying for, um, but there are tons of free res resources out there um putting in some type of again like second instagram account or something that's geared up for that um mm -hmm. but i think looking at those details ahead of time because once you're in a crisis you're not really you know when you're like scrolling through your playlist or whatever the chances of you picking that horribly sad song that's going to make it feel 10 times worse <laughs> are way higher yeah yeah um, instead of having this like this is my sad song or like when I'm feeling sad song playlist and I just go there and it's all set for me. That's perfect. I, so a little bit of disclosure, I have a, well, I'm not going to, well, I'll show it to you too, but listeners, I have a bunch of sticky notes next to me and one of them is like feeling hypomanic. And then it has a bunch of like very grounding activities because when I'm feeling that way, I just, I do too much, maybe text people a little too much and maybe, maybe type a little too much and maybe, post a little too much on Instagram. So it's like activities that I'm allowed to do when I'm feeling that way and aren't, aren't, aren't going to feel like kind of weird and regretful about it afterwards. So it's also opposite action, I agree. which is another DBT yeah. skill. <gasps> yeah. I'm happy to be part of the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, and right. also, sorry. Yes. Also making like a playlist on YouTube for like, if you like ASMR videos or if like comedy really helps you like put those all in one place, make a, make YouTube playlists for you as well. Okay. Um, 
What's the most embarrassing thing that has happened to you during a therapy session? Feels targeted. <laughs> there it is. Do you know this answer? Uh, I maybe. I'm like, did I tell you this? Was it the time I gave you Benadryl? Was that the time? Oh no, that was that was fun though. Yeah. Okay. But that was the be- that was the cream. It wasn't Benadryl like, cream. It was, Benadryl it was cream. The cream. Yeah. Because I always yeah. have it on me. Yeah, I had like crazy hives that day. Um. Okay, I have two. I actually have two, like pretty okay. pretty solid ones for this. Um, so the first one happened pretty early on into like my official professional career. I was running a skills group with a whole bunch of teenagers, and I was teaching the Dear Man skill, um, which is an acronym. Uh, DBT is very acronym heavy, as Joanna said before. And as I was leading the skill, I would typically like if I was teaching tip would be like, you know, who wants to read the T? Who wants to read the I? But I started it off by saying, who's got the D? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that might not matter in like a group of adults, but the teenagers loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, Immediately put my foot in my mouth. And yeah, that was a rough recovery um but yeah it happened it definitely happened so cringe a little bit that's awesome all right the next one is worse oh Oh, shit (laughs) yeah so one thing that gets me really dysregulated is traffic in the morning and Mm -hmm. My previous job, I had about an hour-long commute both ways, so I was, you know, in the car a lot. And this particular morning, I had gotten stuck behind a garbage truck and then multiple school buses, and I was running really late to treatment team meeting. And I was very close to the building at this point, and a car cut me off, and it was just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back that morning. So I laid on my horn, um, may or may not have, you know, thrown some hands in the air and then proceeded to realize we were both driving to the same place. And it happened to be the mother of one of my new teens who was starting that day. So when I saw them park in the facility's parking lot, I waited in my car and then I saw them get out and then I had to hide in my car and missed almost all of treatment team because I could not bear like walking into the lobby and encountering this mother. Yeah, I would have done the exact yeah. same thing. <laughs> it's a very appropriate yeah. response. Yeah. I've been like, you know, I'm going home. Oh, you know what? I think I'm done with this job. Yeah. See y'all later. Yeah. Vacation starting. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, but, as a story, but it sounds like it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> it was super awkward. I felt horrible. And also, they, they she did cut me off. So, <laughs> you know, I tried to fact check. But yeah, not one of my finest, most grounded moments in life. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for me, I had a really awesome relationship, actually, with both the child and the mom moving forward and got to work with them for several months and um awesome positive experience despite a rocky start 
and we never talked about it so I don't know if they ever actually realized it was me but like I also feel like when you cut someone off like and they beep like you don't look right like most of the time you're like you're feeling shame so like you avoid the eye contact so like I just kind of rode off of the hopeful idea that like they didn't look back they didn't know it was Mm -hmm. me I do All actually right. have an embarrassing story because Sarah, you and I don't really share them. <laughs> I feel really nope. bad. And I'm okay with that, uh, but you can. Because <laughs> this happened yesterday uh, and I was doing telehealth and I had my favorite Wednesday iced tea that has mint in it. Um, and I, it has a straw. Suck that mint right up into my mouth. And I was like, I can't eat this. I can't swallow it so what do I do and like when you're in telehealth it's just all on your face so I had to slyly take a napkin and like put it face. wait so I have a telehealth related story yeah. and this just happened recently so I as you can see I'm constantly hydrating but I'm also like I don't know like acid reflux so I'm always clearing my throat so I'll always mute myself for a second and go <clears throat> and one time I didn't hit mute so I just went <clears throat> into the microphone <laughs> person was very taken aback understandably so because I like effectively growled at them um it's very I embarrassing love it. Yeah. love it all right so final most controversial question yet what is your favorite breakfast bum bum ba, 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 da. Okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the worst of them all. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I could, like, wake up on a perfect morning and have whatever, like, give me a, like, crab frittata with, <gasps> like... Oh, God, yeah. Yes, like, hash browns, like, that's not happening, though, when I am <laughs> racing into the unit to get in for check-in group, Um but I did a lot of experimenting with oats during the pandemic and different like oat based breakfast. So the past three weeks I've been eating oat bars in the morning. They're, mm-hmm. they're pretty good. The dream awesome. world is the crab frittata. Like mm. I yeah. like both, both those worlds sound nice. I like yeah. wide variety. All right. On well, to we, our, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the dog was making like so I was a lot of suspect noises outside too so I was very distracted oh, yeah. um, sounds like she's walking around like a human being so um well she may be you're not watching yeah. so on to our final what would you choose question which I know you probably answered these questions with me before in a group because I use these all the time um so would you rather have hiccups whenever you try to speak in public or giggles whenever you try to say something serious? <laughs> oh, God. I feel like I already, like, have, like, giggles. Like, I already have, like, laughing when, like, it's serious and it's, like, super inappropriate affect. And I already, like, I already live that way. So I'll pick that. The hiccups, I don't, yeah, no, thank you. Um, I one time I was laughing. I won't say why or what was happening to my brain, but I laughed for ten minutes and I couldn't stop doing it, and it was hellish. <laughs> I never want that to happen again. Um, hiccuping isn't great, but at least you get to like stop and breathe for like a second or two. You can breathe while you hiccup. Hiccuping hurts for me. No, I mean like you don't go <gasps> 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 right. 
I don't know. Mine are Am very intense. Am I being intense. how bad? Okay. Yeah. I don't have an answer. I think this will be the first time that I don't have an answer. I think another time you you were like, no robot in my house or something. No what? No robot in my house. No robot? Yeah. It was like, like would you rather have a robot, like, flying robot clean your house? Oh, like yeah. a, oh okay. Like so this is five star chef. So what you're saying is I this is the second time. I declined to answer that one. <laughs> I am not as easygoing as I like to posit myself. <laughs> I don't want to answer this. <laughs> I would have to choose giggling because my hiccups hurt really bad. Oh. Um, I don't know what public speaking means. Does that mean like like addressing a crowd or like leading a group? If it's leading a group and I was doing group therapy, no. Because like, yeah. that'd be like my whole day. But I That's don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, I'll write the the writers of these these questions and ask them to quantify <laughs> i like it all right colleen thank you so much for coming on the show what a nice very informative too i'm sorry i like i like episodes that are, yeah. i just walk away and i have learned a lot oh last last dbt dear man is an interpersonal effectiveness skill it's a way mm-hmm. to get things from people uh that you want while preserving the relationship with them it's like a script you follow, dear man. Well, maybe we can put some of the more popular ones on our website too. Yeah. Or like we also a mentioned check idea. the facts, which is amazing yeah. too. Mo's yeah. like, check the facts. Check the facts, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just the facts, ma'am. Yeah. All right. Bella. Thank you so much, Colleen. Thanks, I'm sure guys. we will talk to you further yeah. about DBT and other things. Yeah. Yes, we may have you back you for a DBT a deep job. dive. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, you too. I'm so impressed. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, awesome. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe and rate and review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I changed that today. You sure did. You can (laughs) check us out on Instagram at TNDPod or on Twitter at TherapistNDPod, all one word. Or visit our website at TNDPodcast.com. If you would like the ability to vote on which questions we ask our guests and uh, bonus episodes that are amazing... Um, head on over to patreon.com slash TND podcast and help, or you could just help support us. We would appreciate it. Um, And you can also send us an email if you want therapists next door at gmail.com. That's therapists plural. Until next time, we We are are your your therapist therapist next door. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yes. Success. Uh, that never works when we do yeah. it. So I think that was the b- most effective one we've had. I also try to stare you down too. I <laughs> was trying to unsuccessfully give it back to you. <laughs> All right. Bye.